When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You're listening to Giants Croncast, a podcast chronicling the San Francisco Giants, featuring Brian Murphy and Doug Brazzoni. Part of FFSN, Fans First Sports Network. Oh, I really had to dust off all this podcasting gear. It's been a minute since we last did one of these. But it, it uh, welcome. I can't. I can't even remember what what was going on. The Giants. Uh, they they hadn't <laughs> signed uh, Shohei Otani. They hadn't signed Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Yeah, things really changed. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. They we had declared Yamamoto or bust, and we are in bust. <laughs> We're in bust. We did it. They did sign uh, Jung Hoo Lee, and and I was asked, why didn't we pod about that? Uh, we didn't feel like it. <laughs> Six years, $113 million with an opt-out after year four. Uh, I think we just, you know, with the holidays and all that coming up, the I think the, the size of the contract made people think this is a big deal. I think um, in the grand scheme of things, a 25-year-old center fielder with exciting you know, bat control skills, plate discipline, all that kind of stuff is on paper exciting, but effectively he is a double a prospect coming over to the big leagues. And we had, we had other stuff to do. So like (laughs) exciting kind of, but now we get to merge this in with all the other stuff for the end of the year. And I think that makes more sense. Yeah. I mean, I think one thing to remember is Hassan Kim, his first year in America, he got like 300 plate appearances had an OPS plus of 73. Right. Not, you know, he got better after that. It's That's not to denigrate him as a player, but if if that's the first year that Jung Ho Lee has in America, it's going to be pretty unpleasant. So yeah. we don't want to hype yeah. him up too much. The Giants will do that for us. Yeah. Uh, and perhaps good to great defense in center field. We'll, we'll see. I mean, that's what they said about Luis Matos in center field and, you know, but, you know, maybe, but more importantly, he provides some pizzazz, a.k.a. Riz, <laughs> a.k.a. Energy, which God knows this franchise desperately needs. Wait, because... is that what Riz is? 
God, I am old. Uh, one other thing about Jung Hoo Lee, he and Patrick Bailey carry the top two zips projections, two and a half uh, F war for uh, for Lee and two point four for Bailey, and that's basically all coming from both of them. Their defense, although uh, Lee's line looks looks nice from a hitting standpoint, but I think I'm inclined to agree with you, Doug, that it, there's going to be a bit of an adjustment. Having said that, the excitement that you should have, you, know, you should all be excited to see the video highlights of him against Yoshinobu Yamamoto. That should make your heart grow half a size. You should feel better from that matchup alone. But, um, you know, the Giants, they have some work to do still. We're definitely recording this uh, on on an evening where uh, we're probably not going to hear, like the last week of 2023, we're not going to probably hear any big signings probably until after the new year, it seems like. Um, I think people forget that before last year, that really it was like uh, teams were just waiting out players. And like the first year of a new CBA, I guess the rule, the tradition is like, that's when all the money's spent. And then the rest of it is just like a bunch of guys, uh, you know, guys in their fleece, uh, you know, fleece tops in their khaki pants sitting on their laptops, just waiting them out. Joey Votto tweeted tonight. He's like free agency is like gravity. The movie Gravity with Sandra Bullock and you've detached from the station and you're spinning around and you're just hoping that George Clooney stops you and saves you, <laughs> which is a depressing thing. Great movie. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think the idea of like, why aren't the Giants doing anything? People have to remember that the league is in collusion. Like when you're this data interconnected, you have all this information. You know, we've heard reports like team players will get this exact same offer from six teams and it's you know MLB has its own war wins above replacement now like they're going to wait until January when players start to get desperate coupled with Scott Boris clients a lot of them are still out there and he's trying to play the desperation game with the teams that missed out on Yamamoto or Otani or whatever we haven't heard anything about Cody Bellinger to that end um so i guess that's kind of the intro into what is next you know, we've, I don't know about you, Doug. I, I think you sound healthier since last we podcasted. So maybe you haven't been online as much as I have been. <laughs> no, I've been online much, way too much. I just already got sick in December. So I'm, I'm good now. My immune so, system is a good, like two weeks until <laughs> I, it'll, it'll get me sick again. Uh, so like the ghost of Bay area, Bob, like all these <laughs> random Twitter voices that have come up like, dropping little breadcrumbs for people to follow during this fallow period between big signings. It's enough to like stoke your interest, right? A little bit, but the names that are left, there's very little excitement in my mind. Yeah. I mean, the ghost of Bay area, Bob keeps hinting the giants are going to sign Matt Chapman like tomorrow. Uh, and that's not that exciting to me. Uh, <laughs> I've kind of resigned myself to it, but it's not that exciting. Um, So, I mean, I kind of see the rumors. I go, "Uh uh-huh, that's that's about right. The Giants will overpay for for him. I see, you know, the rumors that the Giants might overpay for Blake Snell. And then I see the other rumors that Blake Snell right now is is looking at like a three-year deal with a high AAV and opt-outs. Where did you see that? I saw that on MLB Trade Rumors. 
Oh, I do. I mean, if it was three for 90, that's the great deal. Do that right now. I mean, it might be three for like 105. That's probably if it's three years, it's probably still a great deal. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I would say well, you do that. <laughs> from what my understanding was that that's kind of what teams are looking to offer him. And he might be looking for the, that seven year deal that, you know, we're all kind of dreading. Uh, you can't blame him. Yeah, but also yeah. you can't blame him. But yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, and also I want to make it clear, no offense to Bay Area Bob at all. I've enjoyed all of his work. Um, I'm not even a, a Sydney Sweeney uh, person at all, and, and I appreciate that that's his indulgence. That's great. And I think there were people that were like saying, is this person real or whatever? Because in between breadcrumbs, it's Sydney Sweeney posts, and I'm like, I believe an SF dirtbag would have inside news <laughs> and, and Sydney Sweeney thirst trap postings that's all makes sense to me so uh it all tracked so and andy lou uh beloved warriors podcaster um you know he was the one that was kind of pointing out like the giants have to still be stupid they have to do and i had someone in this comments like he has to they have to prove to the other free agents for in years in the future that they are trying to win and they're going to do whatever it takes. And so even though they missed out on Otani and Yamamoto, arguably the two best players in free agency um, and side note on Yamamoto, the giants only signed one of the two once in a lifetime, 25 year old free agents available. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it was, uh, you know, Oh, well we're, we're kind of downgrading the giants here, but they might end up with a good deal there, but they still have to keep, going find someone with star power or whatever and then one of the commenters i think for andy lou's tweet was basically you know the padres spent a bunch of money on eric hosmer that one year and it changed the perception of what was going on in san diego and remember it was like a 120 million dollar deal it was something absurd for eric hosmer and everyone was like what but it showed that the padres were willing to spend money and i want to talk about that in a little bit later but let's just stay in the area of like we said Yamamoto are bust. We're in bust, so it kind of is irrelevant. The, the offseason is effectively a failure. But let's say, Doug, <laughs> what what would be your next move in this situation? First uh, of all, I don't think you would have botched the deal. You would have convinced Yamamoto somehow, even though he never wanted to play for the Giants. Brian, I cannot stress enough how much I would have absolutely botched that deal. I would have been unbelievably off-putting. Uh, in every way, <laughs> I, w- I would have Larry bared it is what I would have done. Just, just thinking about every pressure filled situation I've ever been in, in my life. I can promise you if I had showed up to that room, which I might not have, I might've been too scared. I would have said the wrong thing at every step of the way. So I want to get, make that clear. Okay. Now that said, I figure uh, I want a pitcher who I've never seen fail, so I'm I'm all in on Imanaga now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Shota Imanaga, the the philosopher of pitching. Uh, we we didn't even mention Lee's uh, nickname, the grandson of the wind. Yeah, uh, and that's great. That's cool. Uh, but Imanaga uh, again, another one of these thirty one or older free agents that the giants could get or he has a posting fee attached his he's looking to make a deal after the new year his window will close 
uh, within the first couple of weeks of January. And I think they, his people had already said that he wasn't even meeting with anybody until next year, the beginning of 24. So that could be on the, yeah, that would be a good one. It kind of, it, to me, just looking at his body of work, uh, as, as good as it, as it is, it doesn't, he doesn't leap out to me as what Zaidi was saying at the start of the off season or at the end of the season where they were focused on front of the rotation starters. He definitely feels more of like the middle guy. And then you hear the giants being attached to, or possibly having interest in Marcus Stroman and I'm falling farther back into what are we doing here? What's going on <laughs> to the point where your Lucas Giolito suggestion, uh, which was a cat tossed aside dig actually makes more sense at this point. <laughs> but uh, Imanaga, I think would be an interesting uh, way to go because we're not talking about, I don't know if anyone's noticed, we're not talking about Otani and, and Yamamoto again, because we did that last, last episode with Otani and basically like the giants have lost the entire country of Japan, which is a, a weird thing to think. So this isn't like some way of getting back at that, but it would be an interesting battle, I guess, to carry another Japanese player on the team, someone uh, with a reputation who's good. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what philosophy he preaches to say Kyle Harrison. You know what I mean? Like there, there could be some, some uh, way to go there. I have to imagine he's incredibly competitive. Uh, when you're a philosopher, you know, you think about a lot of things, including winning. So <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. It's, he seems like he'd be a good fit for the rotation for sure. Uh, I was definitely all in on like, just blow it out for Jordan Montgomery. I like it, but he doesn't seem like he wants to play there. And I think he actually is off. He's wanting as much as Blake Snell on the long-term deal. So I don't think that that makes a lot of sense. So let me run this by you, Doug. If let's say the giants were tied to Matt Chapman, still they were tied to Blake Snell. Still isn't the pivot. This is, this is, I'm throwing out. Isn't the pivot Cody Bellinger? Oh yeah, it is. I mean, the thing about Bellinger is at least you're aiming high. That's what I'm saying. It's the, it's the potential Hosmer deal for sure, but it's the one that shows you we're going after the best, which is, I, I guess is a dig at Matt Chapman and I don't mean it to be but I hope everyone understands what I mean by that. <laughs> like C- Cody Bellinger was legitimately before sh- his shoulder injury uh, was one of the best players in baseball, but like top 10, no question. Um, and so just the idea of getting him back. I like Roger Munter's point. We should always get the kids of X giants back <laughs> in the system. You know, you can see him hitting cove shots Yes, all the red flags are there, but guess what? Blake Snell has a bunch of red flags. Guess what? Matt Chapman has a bunch of red flags. Every person left in free agency has some version of red flags. And and after last year, we all ignored the red flags from the players last year. Mitch Haniger, Michael Conforto, Ross Stripling, Shamanaya, all obvious like, <laughs> how, how it was going to go. And it went basic, except for Manaya. And there's a cool... Um, feature that about his he was written up because uh, he trained at driveline last off season so i don't know maybe i'll try to remember to put it in the notes but like you know he he was the only one that kind of like gained from being on the giants and and everyone else just kind of took away from the giants and they all had obvious red flags and i agree to, cody bellinger has a lot of red flags and he very much seems like 
what happened with Ross Stripling? Oh, Ross Stripling was bad in 2021. He had a platform year in 2022. I was almost as good as his all-star season in 2018. And then he went back to 2021 as soon as the Giants signed him. And Cody Bellinger, before 2023, had two really bad years. And then he had a year that kind of got closer to, oh, Cody Bellinger with a lot of like statistical, or should I say StatCast, red flags. But that's the name. And he's 28. You know, it's like that's the other part of it. It's like you want to get younger and more athletic You that you at least satisfy your your stated goal and you industry wide uh, reputationally, you sustain that to some some way, too. Also, you have a former Dodger, which seems like right up Farnsidey's wheelhouse. <laughs> Just get former Dodgers. So I don't know. That's well, first, I, I want to say I, I very much empathize with all of the those. 2023 Giants other than Sean Mania because I felt like the Giants took away a lot from me from me watching them yeah um, <laughs> so uh, that that's really relatable um, but yeah I think that's that is a good point about you know you have to build your reputation within baseball and to do that you just maybe just have to overpay for someone uh, you know maybe if the Giants had gotten Carlos Correa last year maybe mm-hmm. then maybe Yamamoto looks at them and is like you know what? Sure. You know what? I believe a little bit more in that team. Uh, they, they're trying. They're, they're a little bit better. Um, or maybe Otani takes them more seriously. I, just saying those words sounds ridiculous, but I don't know that's impossible. Uh, and so, you know, they, they just have to make that splash, not just for fan interest, though they desperately have to make that splash for fan interest. And generally, it's absolutely not enough. Um, but they have to make that splash for everyone to know that they're a serious team who actually cares about their product. Because right now, do I think that? I mean, maybe they care a little, but I think they care a lot more about Mission Rock. And so if they want to prove me wrong, then go out and spend money on some guy. Like they tried with the ones who they thought were the best bets, but you got to take a risk. You got to sell it. And that's what I want to see from them. So let me like reinforce that. So the zips projections, which I mentioned. And for the last couple of years, the giants have basically been like 84, 85 wins on zips and then injury and bad luck have obviously dragged them to 81 and 79 wins last two seasons. So obviously when you're in that narrow of a window, your margin for error is very slim. That's true. Even adding Lee, uh, they're, they're not really, they're standing still. They're projected. I think, uh, at 85 wins or thereabouts with what, Uh, Zimborski had for them. There's a version where like whoever the next guy is might be, I don't think there's two big players coming. I think this is part of a thing they're trying to, they're trying to sell you on. It's Lee and one other guy and look what we did, you know, and a lot of supplementary moves. But I think because it wasn't Yamamoto and Lee, it has to be uh, Lee plus two for three. It's got to be it's got to be two more guys to really make it seem like the Giants did something. But I guess what I'm getting at is like you add a Cody Bellinger with the what you said with the risk and all that involved. And if it doesn't work out, the Giants are still projected. They still have a base of talent that's going to keep them uh, in a way that's going to be not as embarrassing as you might think, whereas if they don't get anybody or they get a bunch of these complimentary pieces. 
I'm saying it's a risk worth taking. I also want to point out that Cody Bellinger won't turn 29 until July 13th. So really, if you're saying like an eight-year deal, let's say, we're talking about 28-29, 29-30, 30, you know what I mean? Like there, there is he's not going to be quite as old as you think by the end of that deal, and you're going to be getting, if there is still good baseball left in him, you know, he had a 133 OPS plus last year, and that's after being the worst player in baseball the two prior years combined. If there's still something there, if it's better, if it's only 115 or one, you know, 115, 120 range of OPS plus, that's still like one of the best giants <laughs> you're going to have. Like if it's 110, if it's 105, the 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 risks are on his batted ball statistics for sure. Where is he going to play? He's going to play right field because Mike Yastrzemski's hamstrings are not going to last another full season out there. You're going to move Yastrzemski to left. You're going to have Lee in center. You're going to have Bellinger in right. And if that doesn't work out, Bellinger will play center. Bellinger can also play first, which Giants have enough first baseman, you know. But he is uh, – I'm not like – I was never totally against all the red flags for him. And especially as I just spent a whole minute talking about how I'm not ignoring red flags. They're all obvious. At the same time, it's like if the Giants are really serious about showing people they're serious, then I think then the next pivot is, well, who's the next big fish left? And instead, it sounds like they're trying to fill need with a, with a high floor and a limited ceiling and for a certain cost point. So now they basically went after the two biggest guys who are always going to be long shots. Then they got the we got to we can't ignore Lee. They don't want they don't want us to ignore Lee. Spent a lot of money on Lee, which almost feels like a holding action at this point. (laughs) But we had to see him play. But basically, they they have spent a lot of money uh, already. And now the idea that they're going to, like, bring it back to Chapman and Imanaga, who who won't cost as much as Snell, does not really convey what they want it to. And that's very concerning. Should we move on to the next subject then? Sure. It's, I love it. I love being concerned about the Giants. <laughs> uh, well, we don't really know what the team's actual payroll is. They're pretty close to their line of real money, like 150, 160, which was where it was in 21 and 22. And we're assuming that they're going to add more because they said they were going to get good players. But, um, you know, they got every team got 30 million last year. And so the Giants spent that 30 million basically on the major league roster. So 160 is what they had been. And then last year was closer to 190. So they took that 30 million and they reinvested it back in the team. And so they're not over. They're not approaching. They're not over 160 yet is what I'm saying. So the next big move would technically put them there and they could still make a trade or two to alleviate some of that. Michael Conforto's 18 million. They're not going to move Mitch Hanniger's twenty million, uh, but uh, so I guess this all sort of suggests whatever the Giants' final payroll beginning opening day, I think that really will cement for the next few years seriously what this team really is. And uh, I, this is the a segment I'm calling the Giants' aura. That's what I put in the rundown. Uh, but it's it's the one thing we haven't really talked about, Doug, is that. The Giants are about to be the sole team in Northern California. They got what they wanted. The A's are gone. Um, and look what the pivot is. It has nothing to do with baseball. It's about expanding their territory and using the Giants' name to build neighborhoods. 
you know, and I keep thinking about Bill Newcomb's the Giants way that he wanted to institute. Uh, and for that, he got tossed. To, he got stabbed in the back and tossed aside. Um, there's almost like there's a strong immune reaction at, from ownership uh, that repels anything that tries to make the team anything other than cosmetically competitive. Uh, and it seems like that's only gotten worse the last few years. Um, I wrote when I, when I gave you the show notes, I put that I thought the turning point was when the Dodgers were bought by the Guggenheim group, but it's actually earlier than that. The Burns family, they had a controlling interest in the club. Um, Sue Burns died in 2009. Her husband had died in 2006. The Giants won the World Series in 2010, and Newcomb resigned at the end of 2011, according to the Chronicle, in part because of a feud of ownership about what to do with the extra money from winning. So what they did was they got rid of the guy who was like, let's invest it in the team. And Charles Johnson used his new revenue or his 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 dividends to just buy controlling interest in the team. And then if you go to the Mission Rock website. A decade in the making Mission Rock is happening, reflecting a culmination of 10 years of community outreach and planning. It will transform part of San Francisco's southern waterfront. So about after the time Newcomb was out, 2012 rolls around, they start going, what are we going to do with all this money? We're not going to make the team better. We're going to build this neighborhood out. And then a decade later, we're going to tell people the neighborhood sucks for some reason. So, (laughs) So I don't know. People will accuse me of being mean or cynical or too negative or too down on the ownership and like get over it, find a new thing but it really feels like it all like flows right back to this, to this pivot point of 09 to 11 where, you know, they were not in a crossroads. Everyone was doing fine. And, you know, Newcomb was there, the, the control person, and then just fighting over money and what to do with his money. How do we make this money, make more money. And, you know, a baseball team to wealthy owners like these who aren't the Burns family who really cared about baseball and the product, uh, Bill Newcomb, all that, like they were like baseball is a vulgarity. Like these, <laughs> these jocks are whatever. This is gross. We don't care about it. What we care about is safe, austere, you know, investment, solid and what our fathers told us, taught us and like all that stuff. And that's where we're at. And there's, I've seen no evidence to the contrary of this in the entire last decade. Okay, so, <laughs> um, yeah, basically, <laughs> I think the Giants are run by money people and not baseball people, right? I mean, that's kind of the thing that they, the the owners of the Giants, and you know, I've kind of looked at a lot of the minority shareholders of the Giants. Um, that's right, and you know, a couple of them are like Giants fans who are like, you know, rich guys who are Giants fans, like, sure. But a lot of them were just like, yeah, it seemed like a good investment. Uh, one of them, the my, my article that has gotten the most traffic, I have no idea why or how, um, is a guy named Jed Walentis, who's from New York. No connection with the Giants. He just one day, because he was a rich real estate developer, was like, I think it'd be cool to have a piece of a baseball team. And it happened to be the Giants that he got. Um. Do you think that guy is going to be like, yeah, let's invest in the Giants? Or is he going to uh, or is he going to be like, let's 
use that money to make more money and then give that money to me. Yeah. Like if you're a business person, that's, that's the goal for your money to make more money, passive income, baby. It's a hot new trend on TikTok. Um, and then you just get it. You just keep getting more money forever. Like that's, that's what you want. Um, there is no purpose behind it other than making the money. Like, so you look at the Burns family, Sue and Harmon Burns, probably to them, you know, owning the Giants and making them good was the point. It is very sad they did not see the Giants win the World Series. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Charles Johnson, from what I've seen, was like, on, I feel like he was kind of a Giants fan, but he's also very rich. He is so rich. <laughs> you just, you can't get that rich. And like you, every time a, someone who is that rich makes a decision, they might, they might hem and haw about it, but in the end they will make the decision to make more money. Uh, and that's what happened. I don't, by, by the way, I don't believe it's a controlling interest he has. I think he has the largest individual interest or okay. largest individual share, but not necessarily like 50.1%. Um, but it, uh, yeah, I mean, you just, you look at these guys and you're like, most of them just don't, really give a shit like i'm sure it would be nice at the rich people parties uh where they make pores reenact squid game for fun if they can if you can turn to your rich friend and be like oh yeah i got a world series ring last last year it was pretty cool like i'm sure that'd be nice is that going to be the overriding concern no um right and And so here we are and the reason why i'm bringing this up is because if you're wondering what's it going to take for the giants to get better? It's going to be from an investment from ownership in making the team better. The team will get better when it wants to be is the bottom line. A lot has happened in a decade in the entire industry of baseball, the way technology has, you know, been infused into the game. I think far anxiety by all accounts is doing a solid job of working with what he has we don't know what the full operational baseball budget is. I'm just going to guess it's 300 million and that's for everything folks. It's not just the major league payroll. It's like, you gotta, when I talk about the owners aren't spending money, I don't mean it's like they're not spending running Steve Cohen Mets payrolls. There is more to the baseball budget when the Dodgers and the Braves are committing crimes, you know, to, to get prospects. There is, you know, and the Yankees have a longstanding tradition. The giants were behind Newcomb recognized that like the giants have to make some big changes. Brian Sabian came in, he brought his experience uh, and to try to get the giants up to speed to do their rebuild. And it is going to take time, but it's also going to take a, a commitment. You know, they built that Arizona complex, I don't know how much that affected their budget and that could be hampering the major league payroll and don't act like that. You know, if you're listening, don't act like that isn't the case. It was the case that even when they had the Burns family around, they were like, listen, this is all the money we can afford to give you. You got to make this work. And Brian Sabian's like, all right, we're punting a first round draft pick just so we can have a major league player on the roster who knows what they're doing. Like that's the kind of stuff when it is, when the Giants did feel like a mom and pop organization, and now they just feel like Remax, like they don't really feel like they provide anything. They're just kind of there, and they seem pretty okay with that. And I don't know how that changes now that they've gotten everything, exactly everything that they've wanted. They've won a World Series. 
They've got, they built part of a neighborhood, 40 acres or whatever uh, of San Francisco is theirs. Uh, They own an entire media territory. Once the A's are finally gone, like they won, they, they got everything, but it it all means is like they got all the money. They won the money game. Um, And so the, I think the idea of competing with the Dodgers is like, mm, it's not even like in the top three concern with them. Yeah. I like to the, and they have to sell it to the fans that it is, but they're running a business and the business is going to keep running. You know, I think about like the English Premier League, which has a handful of teams that are competitive and the rest of them are basically looking to develop a star so they can sell that star to one of the better teams because mm-hmm. um, that's their business strategy. And the Giants are just not one of the perennially competitive teams right now. Um, <laughs> nor can they develop a player to sell. To nor can, right. It's devastating. <laughs> yeah. uh, God, like Manchester United is calling on the Giants. Like, We're sorry. We don't have anyone. Also, do you know we play different sports? <laughs> so I guess what I'm saying is like where we're at now is not like out of the blue. It's not just Bobby Evans decision making. I mean, listen, Brian Reynolds for Andrew McCutcheon. Let's just, you know, <laughs> let's think about that. That's going to hold over. So but my, like, understand, my understanding is that that was like not that specific trade, but it was like a mandate from ownership to do that kind of trade. And, and that's the other part is yeah. that it's, it's kind of one thing to have such a passive thing. They're like, here's the budget. That's it. And then they kind of lay off. It's another thing to be like, here's the budget. Oh, and we think it would be great if the dinosaur could also skateboard like that's <laughs> That's a problem. And I think that is the situation that's existed for all the Giants front office people that and I don't think it's a situation that's unique to um, ba- to the Giants and, and certainly not to baseball itself. And I, for example, I don't think that Otani was Andrew Friedman's idea. Like, I think the Dodgers ownership was like, I think Stan Kasson was like, I want Shohei Otani on the baseball team. How do we make that happen? You know, I think it takes will. You have to want that to happen uh, in order for it to happen. And I I mean, when I look at Greg Johnson, I don't see a lot behind the eyes there. I don't see any real interest there. This is not the part of his life that excites him, interests him. You know, it it reminds me of um, who is the old guy who took over for the 49ers after DeBartolo before Jed York's dad, John York. John York, was he the one that has the famous quote of like a football team is no different than a, a racetrack that he also ran? Like it was basically saying like there are no more, you know, dog racing and football are the same thing. This is whatever. It's nothing. And, you know, the 49ers suffered for a good long time because of with that attitude. And I think as long as the people running the, t- the operation uh, are involved to the point that they think they know better and are also incurious, which when you look at Larry bear and you hear him talk, that seems like a combination going. He's both incurious and thinks he has all the answers. Um, then I think that's a recipe for disaster. And they're just hope they hired far anxiety knowing that they were going to need his skill set to navigate their restrictions. And I think you've said it many times. It hasn't quite worked out. <laughs> it has not quite worked out. And, you know, they, they hired Farhan 
Yeah, exactly. Because they're like, this is the best guy to make us competitive without us spending a bunch of money. Like, that's what they wanted. They wanted the A's. Um, like, you know, the A's with another 80 or 100 million in payroll. But right. Obviously, it's like if there's a guy that's like a superstar that we want to keep, we're we're not the A's to the extent that we can't afford to keep him. But we're only keep one of them every so often. That's what it seems right. like they're going to. And do. it's and it's like you know if they have a guy who's popular with a fan base, they want like a Hunter Pence. They want to keep a Hunter Pence type, right? Yeah. Because then the fans will keep coming out to see Hunter Pence. Um, yeah. But like the actual spend money, like the Rangers did a couple off seasons ago, no, they don't want to do that. And so, you know, end up where the Rangers did last year. No, they're not going to do that. So this is an easy question. They didn't, they weren't anywhere close to the high bids for either of those for Otani or Yamamoto. Right. Uh, I mean, they claim they were, I mean, they claim they were right there financially for Otani, um, who basically accepted his terms. They accepted his terms. Yeah. Yes. I don't know, but with Yamamoto, I've just seen that like they were, they were in the neighborhood or they were close. Like, I don't know exactly what that means. It seems like he kind of disengaged from them before. That's what it seems like. Yes. Um, yeah. And I think the, the people, there are people who agree with me that the, as soon as you're turned down, you say, even if it's 12, 400. Right. <laughs> and, and that's what it's going to take everybody. The giants are going to have to, Carlos Correa deal was that in fairness, in 100% fairness to the giants. That was the Carlos Correa deal. Yeah. <laughs> now you bring that up and you're like, do you want to do that with Cody Bellinger? Well, no, no. you don't want to, <laughs> you don't want to offer him 400 million. I wasn't suggesting that, but is the, and you probably don't want to offer him the Carlos Correa deal either. But what was the MLB trade rumor one that they put up there? 12 and 265 as an estimate or something like that. It was something wacky that was on MLB trade rumor. You might have to get, you know, if he's a, if it's, yeah, you might have to offer him 10, 300. Yeah. I mean, maybe, which he's probably not the guy that's worth that. But at the same time, somebody has to be worth that. You know, if, <laughs> I, and also, I mean, the other thing is that part of the reason you make that deal with someone is that so next year you can get Juan Soto to give you a look, right? And filling up the right. outfield with two outfielders, I mean, that's probably not the best idea strategically. I you can, I mean, I know you can move Bellinger to first base, but then it's you're already kind of in a bad space. And then this is where it gets into, well, you're spending a lot of money on just a few players, and that's where I'm like... Well, then that's where the far anxietiness of it should kick in. Right. Where it's like, you don't have much money left for the rest of the roster. What can you do? And that's when you're like, well, I trust far anxiety to find, you know, replacement plus type players to fill in and say, you know, not everyone's going to be Gorky's Hernandez under the far watch. Um, You know, so that's what I would hope for if that, if that one, if, Cody Bellinger begets Juan Soto, which it absolutely would not. But if it did, <laughs> that's the problem I want the Giants to have. And yeah, I got to ask you one last question, Doug. Okay, great. Where do you think the Giants are in a rebuild cycle? And how many more years do you think we have before it doesn't feel like the gap between the Giants and Dodgers 
are like is like 20 wins. Well, that all depends, doesn't it? Because the Giants, what an answer. What a non-committal, terrible answer that no one wanted to hear. That's our promise to you here on Giants Croncast. Thanks, to, uh, uh, thanks, Gabe. <laughs> thank you, guys. Thank you, everyone. Um, it, it's hard to tell because, look, if Marco Luciano and Luis Matos and, I don't know, and we'll say Kyle Harrison are all, like, pretty good this year, like not not even necessarily like great or super superstar level, but just like solid major league players with room to grow, then they're they're pretty close to the end of the rebuild cycle. If that doesn't happen, then we've got another few years, um, and it's it's kind of tough to make the prediction. You know, this time. This time, Lucy's <laughs> gonna hold the football. I've got a, I've got a good feeling about it. Um, and so you know, it all depends on them. Like the, there are a lot of things the Giants have done right. You know, they, I think, everyone's agreed they've done a, a good job developing, um, Luciano and and Harrison, right? Um, you know, they're giving guys chances, but at some point, it's like. You, you want to narrow that gap with the Dodgers, then it's up to the players, and that's not something you can really predict before the season. Just kidding. This year, baby. <laughs> Giants are winning 114 <laughs> games this year. Dodgers are winning 108. Calling it right now. Uh, I liked I liked the players you spotlighted as being key. I don't think I want to put as much pressure on Matos to no, do that. No, I mean, I just, I just wanted a but third I guy because having, ha- yeah. having three of them really just no. tracks better. Three is neither. You're, you're totally right. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see another starting pitcher uh, from the minors. He doesn't have to make the majors. I just like to see another one kind of be like, this could be the next Kyle Harrison. This could yeah, be no, the next a, Logan a, Webb. A strong year from Carson Wisenhunt would go a long way. To yeah. The Giants out. Uh, you know, it's the whole premise of why Farhan Zaidi got hired is like, if you can draft and develop wisely and, and if that winds up being that you have to develop better than you actually draft, well, guess what? You have the cheaper groundwork and then you really don't have to spend every offseason buying five free agents who are going to cost more on the market than if you develop them in-house. Now you're only talking about one or two guys to bring in there. You know, what the Padres did was pretty in, in intriguing when they got Manny Machado to pair with Fernando Tatis Jr., right? But then they kept adding to that, which is like you usually in the past, you hadn't really seen teams do that too much. Uh, at least recently. And so like, even with like a, a groundwork of like one superstar-ish or really solid player or a group of young guys, sometimes all it takes is one more to push over the top. So yeah, I don't know. I, I am rooting for Luciano. I'm rooting for him hard. Um, all right. Well, it's been quite a year of Giants baseball, hasn't it, Doug? <laughs> it's It's been quite a year, Brian. Uh, thank you listeners for following us over here to Giants Croncast on Fans First sports network as you may recall doug brazoni is an amazing writer and he writes at giantsdoug.substack.com isn't that right doug uh that's right i who knows how long it'll be on substack i am kind of trying to figure out transitioning to another platform like a lot of people on substack because they like nazis they they really do they really do <laughs> uh and i'm still writing over at mccoveychronicles.com i just just posted my Ross Stripling player review. How do you think that went? <laughs> uh, 
B plus. <laughs> yeah, I gave him a solid B plus. <laughs> <laughs> He was very Ross Stripling. Yes, exactly. Uh, we are part of Fans First Sports Network. This is its inaugural year. Fansfirstsports.com. Check out that website. It has links to all the podcasts for all the various sports. Uh, and at Fans First SN is their Twitter account. And you can follow them for any announcements or news. We're at Giants Croncast on Twitter. And so until next time, go Giants! Idiots. Why do they hit the city so much? <laughs> <laughs>